from the creators who brought you RuPaul's Drag Race and Million Dollar Listing. This is World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Well, hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Wow Report, where we count down the top 10 things this week that make us go wow. Wow. Wow, indeed. Uh, I'm Fenton Bailey, co-founder of World of Wonder, joined by James St. James, editor of the Wow Report. And standing in for Tom Campbell is Blake. Hi, Blake. Hi. Millennial producer, which we failed to say. We, we haven't said that in a long time. We have, right? That's right. I, I'm, the, <laughs> I'm on the cusp. I'm millennial uh, Gen X. Huh. You are? I'm Gen X. Well, I'm like at the very end of it. I'm at the very end of Gen X. Well, not to tease. Yeah. Well, James, what is your date of birth? How dare you ask me that live on the air? The rudeness. Eight one sixty six. It's true. Oh well, then maybe there's a there's a they've just recently identified a new generation, which is uh, one of the subjects of that made us go wow this week. So all will be revealed. In the meantime, this is our two hundred and forty third show on the fifty seventh day of twenty twenty one. So only only 308 days until 2022. Um, maybe it will be normal then, right? I hope so. Mm-hmm. Whatever normal means. Normality at all. I have a feeling we're going to be like this for the rest of our lives. Right. I'm, have you seen this? It's like 100% alcohol spraying it everywhere. Do you have a problem, Fenton? Do you need to go into rehab? Are you drinking the rubbing alcohol? Yep. Uh, okay. Let's that, wait, hold on. Do you remember the famous New York Post headline with um, Kitty Dukakis when she went into rehab and it was Kitty drink rubbing alcohol? Did right. That's it right. It was in the eighties. Yes. I feel well, like at church camp, people used to drink Scope to get drunk. I had a stepmother who drank Scope, who drank Listerine. It's not going to be good for you, though, is it? It can't be a good a good high. I thought you said she just drank wine out of a Listerine bottle. Well, we don't really know what was going on. She would chug from the Listerine bottle, and I sometimes we thought there was white wine in there, and sometimes I think she was just drinking the the 2% alcohol. <laughs> she would do it at, at stop signs, just chug, 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 and then just drive up over onto the curb. It was. I like that, maximizing every moment, not letting <laughs> time go to waste. All right, let's start our countdown. What have we got at number 10? Number 10. Um, Do you guys, you know Jonathan Bennett? He's been a guest on RuPaul's Drag Race from Mean Girls. Girls. Yes, he was Aaron Samuels. Yes. And, and I thought he was so cute back then, but as he got older, I don't know, he just wasn't really my type. Are you kidding? Because I've seen him at DragCon. He comes to DragCon all the time, and he's just adorable, just the sweetest guy. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, he just posted to his Instagram story, and I think I like him a lot more now because <laughs> he had a little dick slip. <laughs> it was, um, he was showing a coffee mug, right? Was that it? Yeah, I actually just texted both of you the picture, if you have <laughs> it. Um, and you he, see the reflection in the mug, and it, it's just uh, it's it's like a horse penis. It is. He's sitting by the by his pool, I presume, and he's drinking out of a clear coffee mug. But he doesn't notice in the reflection. You can doesn't see notice? his doesn't notice, or is this an attention getting strategy? <laughs> well, that's just it. And 
I, I saw on I saw this story on the sword, which came from Cox and Cock Talk. Oh I yeah, I follow Cox and Cock Talk. Yes. Um, and the sword said that it has been a known rumor around Hollywood that he is well hung. Well, um, if you remember, he was just recently in, was it the Lifetime or the Hallmark um, Christmas gay movie? Remember? It was a big deal that they were, it was their first gay movie. Was that him? Yeah, that was him. Hmm. I think he was also in Celebrity Big Brother with uh, Ross. Oh, that makes sense. I know he's a good friend of Danny Francesi's, so uh, he's 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 family, and it's nice to know that our family is um, consists of. of... <laughs> well, has he uh, deleted the picture? Um, what's the status? Yeah, we... yeah it, it is deleted. I, I went back on to try and find it the other day, and it's gone. Well, and... it's an Instagram story, right? So those delete themselves. Um, well, it's nice to know that it will live forever on. TikTok and Tumblr and various uh, memes around town. It's just like the Chris Evans thing from earlier. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. But was, I that love it. was that accidental? It will. Yes, because he accidentally opened up his entire um, uh, pictures onto the uh, onto a TikTok or whatever, and there was a, a dick pic on there. I think I, I think they know what they're doing. I think it's all part of the game. Don't well, you? I think everybody needs a dick pic out there to 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 make yourself uh, viable in this climate. I just want to say before we end that I'm glad to be living in these times. Then. It's true, you know. And I, I I go back and I say that it's Justin um, Bieber who normalized male dick pics. Remember, was he was it him or Orlando Bloom who did it first. Well, there is some debate, but uh, but those two really were out there flashing their wieners uh, before anyone else. And I God bless them. them. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess we're not going to post this picture on the Wow Report, right? No. I'll post. I'll post a link to the picture. Oh, uh, that's way to do it. All right. So, okay. So, uh, good. Well, we're moving on to number nine. <laughs> number nine. So adjacent to that topic, um, last night I watched the premiere of Superman and Lois on the CW, and it is the latest iteration of the Superman saga, and he is played by Tyler Hecklin, who is so cute and fills out a Superman suit like nobody else. He's just all bulges and booty. It is really something to see. Tyler Hecklin was um, the main wolf on Teen Wolf. He was the big wolf. He was the mentor wolf who uh, took care of all the little uh, other teen wolves. So he's um, been around. He was also on Seventh Heaven back in the early 2000s. He was the um, son that they uh, adopted from Iran, I think. So cute, but anyway, um, in this in in this um series, he has two teenage sons, and um, uh, he's married to Lois Lane, and they move to Smallville. And the teen one teenage son is like an all American athlete, and he's perky and and you know a good guy, and the other one is sort of sullen and morose, and is on a you know ADD medication, and he's um he he has like attention deficit disorder, and and um so. It's weird because they're trying to make it like Dawson's Creek or something like that. And the fundamental thing about Superman is that he is 
perky. He's not Batman. He doesn't. He's not gloomy and doomy. And all of the movies, the, the Zack Snyder movies, all try and make Superman like into this gloomy Batman character. And he's he's impervious to pain. He is the most powerful creature in the universe. He's not one to be stuck in daily problems. He's out there punching aliens into the sun, and he's funny. He's and they always seem to forget that. And I'm a little worried that they're going to go down that road with this and make him all gloomy. But um, I'm giving it a shot just because I love Tyler Hecklin so much. Where can you watch it? It's on the CW on um, uh, uh, Tuesday nights, I think. Wednesday nights, I believe. Wednesday nights, okay. It's basically just become a superhero network, right? What? It's just a super. The CW is is all superheroes all the time. (laughs) It's Greg Berlanti who uh, started it with Green Arrow, and then he went on to Supergirl, um, uh, Flash. Uh, the just some legion of something or other, and a Batwoman. So there, it, it is. It is nothing but nothing but superheroes over there. Oh, and Black Lightning, who is um uh new to the canon, is that is Black Lightning a DC character? Yeah, he he was in the seventies when um uh there was a bunch of uh African American heroes that they they did, and they all were like. You know, it's like Black Panther, Black Lightning. Why, why got, why they got to be black? Why, why can't they just be a panther or, or lightning? You know? Yeah. But yeah. that's neither here nor there. <laughs> All right, let's go on to number eight. Number eight. Um, has any? What, what do you think about Billie Eilish? I used to love her. I got a little burnt out, but I recently, just this past weekend, went back and listened to like Ocean Eyes and When the Party's Over, and they're amazing. Well, it is. She talk about your gloom and doom Batman characters. I mean, she is just she is nothing but gloom and doom, and it gets a little relentless after a while. I I I find it a bit tiresome, but I do like the new song. Ah, are you talking about the Bond song? Is that what it is? Um, what's it called? Um, No Time to Die. No, no, no. I'm talking about the other one, the the one that's out on the radio right now. Therefore, I am. Therefore, I am. Yes. Oh. Yes. Well, I I remember, you know, when Bad Guy came out, but I think the thing that is going to give her a, a huge boost, not that she necessarily needs a huge boost, is the documentary is finally coming out today, Friday. Um, Billie Eilish, The World's a Little Blurry. This is coming on Apple Plus, and it's the documentary that Apple reportedly paid $25 million Nobody for. Nobody needs to get $25 million for a documentary. You do documentaries for free. Isn't that the whole thing? Isn't that right. what you always used to say to me when you were doing documentaries that you don't pay the people who are in documentaries so you didn't have to pay me? Where's my $25 million for Party Monster? <laughs> well, James, I couldn't have put it better. Of course, you know, it's not going to go to Billie Eilish herself. It's going to go to the production company or the distributors or whoever did the deal. Anyway, I finally saw the documentary. Um, it's really good. It's really good. R.J. Cutler directed it. He did the uh, September issue, the the one about Vogue. He yeah. also did the War Room. Um, he's done like a, some several other things, in fact. But it's really interesting because you see her. You, I think it's rare. We were wondering about this. Like, when do you actually see someone actually become famous in the course of filming? Is there a music documentary where someone starts out? And they're not really a star, but by the end of the documentary, they are massive. Um, I can't think of another example, actually. I know. And what's interesting about it is that, you know, she lives at home with her parents. She was 17 when the film, you know, when they started filming. 
And all those songs were recorded in her brother's bedroom. Her brother's yeah. Phineas. He is clearly some kind of musical genius. I mean, I think she's awesome too. But the thing I love about the Billie Eilish sound, it's not just the, what is it, the ASMR, the, the, you know, the very, oh, yeah. I love that. But I also love the production. It's so sort of atonal and sort of really stripped down, right? And really, it seems so sort of simplistic at times, but it's also really dark and weird and sort of bizarre noises. I, I just really, I think it's a hypnotic combination of of his sort of production and her vocals. Well, it's weird because I remember thinking, remember when Phineas had that song out last year, and I was thinking it was one of the best songs of the year. And um, uh, it wasn't that dark. I remember, like it was kind of poppy and light. Yeah, it was a bit like who's the guy from Fun um, who dated Lena Dunham? Jack Antonoff. Yes, it was sort of a Jack Antonoff type of sound. But um, I thought that it was going to go farther than it did. But I think people just prefer Billy being the front woman for his sound, maybe. Well, right. What's really interesting in a documentary, because I just see her in the green hair. But when you see, this sounds weird, but when you see her full body, it all kind of makes sense. Because she's not this sort of little girly elfin character. She's got, she's kind of like wears sort of, sweatpants, shorts, cut-off shorts and boots. And she's really sort of, I don't know, there's something about her. And and then what you also well, learn... She's famously said that she will not be sexualized by in by outfits and she will not be told to wear skimpy little outfits and she's just going to wear her, her baggy. And absolutely. And of but course, the, the paradox is that it's a really sexy look and she only wears Louis Vuitton and Louis Vuitton, I guess, design all these amazing clothes for her. They look like custom made and it's a really compelling look and it's very attractive. Not in a, I, I, you know, not in a sexual way, I guess, but it's hot. It's a hot, she has a hot look. She's, she's reclaiming her power. She it's it's a very powerful look. Like I don't yeah. need to do this. And it's a statement. It's interesting, the documentary, as I guess it has to, you know, as in the Gaga documentary, how she suffers from all this the fibromyalgia pains. She, you know, she has, uh, Billie Eilish has Tourette's and, you know, she suffers from depression and, so, and anxiety. And while there are those issues, what I actually found really most charming and lovely about the film was was just the love of the film, the fact that she's at home in her bedroom with her brother. And during the course of this, she becomes massively famous. She plays Coachella, uh, she wins all those Grammys at the end of it. And yet, and yet that's the interesting thing about it is that even though she's on this arc of becoming super famous, everything stays the same at home. And there's this great sequence where her parents buy her the car she always wanted, which is a matte black Dodge Challenger. And they had it fixed so it couldn't go super fast. <laughs> and she passes a driving test. And for the first time, they let her drive off on her own. It's the most it's the most beautiful sequence because her mom and her dad are like, now be careful where you'll see that. This goes on and on, and they're clearly completely freaked out about letting their daughter, <laughs> now this megastar, drive off in this car on her own. It's 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 a really charming documentary. And it made me think, though it did make me think about a few weeks back, my rant about um framing Britney Spears, because I felt that clearly. Billie Eilish has issues and faces challenges. And I'm not saying, you know, she has anxiety and depression. And so it's interesting the way the public has embraced her because of that. And yet Brittany, because of her illnesses, is sort of demonized and vilified. It's an interesting point of comparison. 
And I guess it shows how long we've come in having discussions about mental illness and issues that Billie Eilish can incorporate it into her work as opposed to, I guess, Brittany having to deny it and then being sort of crucified for it. What do you or think? maybe maybe the backlash with Billy just hasn't begun yet. Maybe or so. maybe we've learned from the backlash of Brittany and we're not doing it to other people. Hopefully. There is this really fun article. I think Vogue does it. And they started like when Billy was just on the cusp of stardom. And it's the same interview, but every year. So it's like when she's 16, when she's 17, and you see how many like followers she gets and how much bigger she gets. I'll try to find it and post the link. Wait, is they just ask her the same questions and she has different answers every year? Yeah, it's like we're back. It's 2019, you know. That's you, interesting. Yeah. It's like it seven cool. up, sort of, but yeah. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> Have you watched those seven ups? Have you ever watched them all, Benjamin? I have not, no. Have you? No, but isn't that like your neighbors? When are you from that neighborhood? <laughs> you mean England? Yes. <laughs> I'm from that neighborhood. <laughs> All right, let's take a break. Uh, the TS Medicine Experience, very excited about this, is coming to WeTV next Thursday, March 4th. So set your DVRs, Thursday, March 4th, 10 p.m. ETPT on WeTV. No. Oh. Can we try and get her to come back and and uh, uh, see if we don't scare her this time? Yeah, let's get a Blake. Can you see if she'll come on next week? And we promise not to talk about cannibalism. Well, <laughs> I was going to talk about my new favorite book called "Exquisite Corpse" about two cannibalistic necrophiliacs, but you, you were going to do that this week or next week? Either, whenever you guys want to hear about it. Okay. Well, all right. <laughs> We'll be right. Have you got a question? I do. I do. Um, although this year is not a leap year, it would be coming up because we're going from February into March. Do you know what state the leap year capital is in? Wait, what does that mean? I don't even understand that. Yeah. Well, they celebrate leap year super like they have a festival and they celebrate yeah. leap year d- babies like it's a big birthday party for leap year babies but kind of like the boysenberry festival at knott's berry farm <laughs> yes very okay. much like that. okay all right all right we'll be right back with you what hold on we'll be right back with the answer after the break am i like can i get a break james yeah hold on we're taking a break okay you're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. All right. Welcome back to the Wow Report. I'm Fenton here with James St. James. And uh, sitting in for Tom Campbell this week, the lovely millennial producer, Blake Jacobs. Hi. Who well, you asked us a question, right? Yeah. Um, it's not a leap year, but leap year would be coming up. But so where, what state? is the leap year capital of the world. What states has the city that's the leap year capital of the world? Because I know you're not going to name the city. But you're, you're, you're sort of saying by states, I guess it's in America, right? That's a clue. That is a clue. Uh-huh. I'm going to say Rhode Island. Uh, <laughs> California. No, you could have said Texas or New Mexico because the twin cities of Anthony, Texas... And Anthony, New Mexico, 
are the self-proclaimed leap year capitals of the world. And now the follow-up question is why? Well, they it says they hold a four-day leap year festival that includes a huge birthday party for all leap year babies, ID required. Uh, do you remember the episode of 30 Rock where they, they, they celebrated leap year and everyone wears blue and yellow and there's leap year William and he comes up from the Mariana trenches every four years and trades children's tears for candy? No. It was one of the classic episodes. It's really fabulous. Perhaps that was set in Anthony, Texas. Probably. So everyone wear blue and yellow next year. Is it next why year? blue and yellow? What, what, I'm so completely confused. Why, Anthony? Why blue and yellow? And why is even a leap year a cause of celebration? Why is Christmas a celebration? Why is Valentine's Day? <laughs> <Why is laughs> Answer a question for the question. Well, let's not celebrate anything, says Fenton. There's no reason. All right, let's carry on with our countdown of what made us go wow this week. You see, each week, James, we celebrate 10 things. So, <laughs> yes, wow. Number seven, Blake. Number seven. Um, number seven, Oregon just uh, notched something in the Guinness Book of World Records this week. A man was arrested for DWI. And he was arrested with a 0.77 blood alcohol count. Does that mean anything to you? No. Well, that is nine times the legal limit. What? He, he was the drunkest person on record to be pulled over. How do you even do that? I don't know. I don't know. He he they he was on a chase for about half a mile before he crashed into a concrete barrier. Did it say how much alcohol that is? Is that like 20 bottles of gin or something? It didn't say that, but it did say he broke the record. The last record was a 0.72, and it was a woman also in Oregon. So what the hell is going on in Oregon? Something's happening in Oregon. That is, that's crazy. I know. I don't know how much you have to drink to get that much alcohol. In your blood, it's, if, if it's point, if it's like seventy seven percent, like seventy seven percent of your blood is alcohol, that can't be the way it works, right? I guess I don't. I wouldn't think so. <laughs> was he hospitalized? Was he blackout drunk when he did it? Was there a follow up interview? Do we know? In show? fact, they haven't even announced his name yet. I don't believe this was from TMZ. We'll try and get him on the show. All right. <laughs> okay, him <laughs> and T.S. Madison. Yes. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Number six, James. Number six. Number six. Um, uh, I watched the first episode of the Pharaoh versus Allen, the Woody Allen, Mia Pharaoh on HBO, um, which is a four-part series they're doing. And I, I, I'm a little conflicted here because if you watch the if you watch the documentary on HBO you walk away feeling there's just no doubt in your mind that he is a predator and he's he, it happened and that Mia Farrow is a saint and that uh that Woody Allen is a creep and i don't know i i'm i i believe that something happened and i believe that he is a predator but i also believe that she's a she's uh manipulative and and vengeful and i don't i think that they can both be true at the same time but the documentary doesn't quite show that side and i 
I feel like there's a lot to the story that we don't know. I know there's, you know, she had two other children who committed suicide and her brother was a sexual predator. And there's things that they're just, I guess they feel that it's just germane to, to the point of the documentary and they aren't, they aren't following up on that. But I just feel, I, I, Fenton, I, 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 I give the floor to you because I want to know what you think. I was, you know, very conflicted watching it and um, sort of, I suppose I sort of had a feeling as I was watching it of like, it's sort of like you, I, I felt for both sides, actually. I, I know the documentary has a point of view and an agenda, and but I also felt for both sides and just sort of, and then I felt, gosh, it's just so, so awful that this is sort of, because let's face it, you know, we're watching because we're not bored, but we're curious or want to be entertained. It just felt, I just felt, gosh, this doesn't performative. Feel- it was it's all performative is is basically. Mm. I mean, and- I think it's very well made, but I just I just felt suddenly how sad it is. What a sad this sounds so pathetic, but it just felt such a profoundly sad situation and so much tragedy sort of all around. It's like and that they've been trapped in this tragedy for 35 years and they right. can't, they can't escape or get any closure because it just keeps getting reiterated uh it, it's interesting that woody allen sort of is in it to the extent that his him reading his autobiography they you know cherry pick some quotes from that so which it, it he just sounds dead inside doesn't he as he's reading it doesn't sound like woody of the 70s anymore does it right it's I mean, I guess, are you going to watch the other episodes, do you think? Yes, yes I definitely am. And I, mm-hmm. you know, I find Dylan, uh, the 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 girl at the center of it, I find her very compelling and um, uh, believable. I believe that she believes that that's, that, that, that everything that she says is true. I don't think that she's lying. And I don't mm-hmm. think that, and, and I believe that Mia um, really is, is good hearted in, in her, uh, wanting to take care of her family and her large family. But I also just think there are other things that, and I, and it's, it's, you know, we, we've talked a lot about uh, on this show about separating art from the artist and it's Woody Allen. I don't think can ever come back. I, you see on online, everybody, nobody will admit to liking a Woody Allen movie anymore. And it, I see that on Twitter all the time and he's stupid and boring and he's old and he where are the black people in his movies and but they're it, still always nominated well yes I I, I don't understand I, I think Hollywood has a blind spot with him because of you know the the impact that he's had on the 70s culture and 80 you know Annie Hall and all of that um but some of those movies are brilliant and genius. And, you know, with Match Point and Blue and uh, Midnight in Paris and all that stuff that he's been doing recently is really good. And I don't know. I'm just I'm conflicted because I think Woody has to die before anyone can go back and look at his movies again. I'm sure you'd love to hear that. I mean, oh. you know, it's it's just I just think it's a real trend. I think it's all around. Tragic all around. Yeah, it is. It, it, yeah, I mean, it, and that sounds sim, 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 simple. Yeah. But it just, oh. and, and then I, at one point I just thought, oh, I don't know if I should be watching this. You know, I felt by watching it complicit in, in this ongoing tragedy. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. 
All right. Um, moving on. Uh, that's um, it's on HBO Max, isn't it, Blake? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. This I was. Re- I don't know why I missed this, and maybe this is old news to you guys. Number five. Number five. Um, you know, we've heard so much about the boomer generation, and I suppose in more recent years about how we, as a boomer generation, are to blame for everything. We're sort of greedy and selfish, etc., and all those things. Full disclosure: You are boomer. Right, except I discovered, and I was so excited to hear that I'm not, because <laughs> there is a micro generation born between 1954 and 1964 who are known as the lost generation. Now, James, you're 65, so I'm afraid you don't fit in this group. Wait, I uh, thought the lost generation was the generation of World War One. Well, we're the missing generation. Okay. I came up with a name for us because I fit within that bracket between 54 and 64. Um, and it's, it is so funny because I never, it, it, this sounds ridiculous, but I will say it nonetheless. I never felt like a boomer. I'd read these articles about boomers, not just the things I just decided about greedy and selfish, but it just, the prosperity and it just never felt, it didn't quite resonate. And this is what I discovered. Uh, this generation inherited, this micro-generation, inherited an optimistic outlook as children in the 60s, but were then confronted with a different reality as they came of age during the shift from a manufacturing to a service economy, which ushered in a long period of mass unemployment and deindustrialization. So leaving them with a certain unrequited jonesing quality for the more prosperous days of the past. So my experience... Like when I left school, you couldn't get a job. And so this whole idea of the boomer generation having everything, it was like, no, like something went wrong. Anyway, so that's why they call them the Generation Jones, because this micro generation are keeping up with the Joneses. They're trying to be all that in a bag of chips. So we thought it was, oh, I'm sorry. I thought it was Jim Jones. No, <laughs> but wait. So what you're saying is, growing up in the late '50s and early '60s is a chi- that's your childhood. You then entered into like the Vietnam and Watergate era and punk rock. So that's, and- all, that's all sort of boomer stuff. But the, but the Generation Jones, we have no defining political cause. Um, we were the first generation to grow up with uh, where most people had TV sets, and we were sort of born before the sexual revolution. So it's sort of like. You sort of missed it all, you know, mm. and but you you got as you came of age, you got clobbered with this enormous recession and hangover that then led to Reagan and Thatcher. So um, musically, we're associated with disco and punk um, and Walkmans and VCRs and feathered hair. <laughs> yeah, I feathered love hair. feathered hair. I guess you qualify, Jez, because you had you did the best feathered hair when you had it. Uh, my mom, my mom would be in this generation, and her maiden name was Jones. There you go. There you go. And yeah. I've also felt the same way, and I think I've talked about it on this show before about m- me being a millennial. How I felt like I'm too old, and there's a micro generation called the uh, Oregon Trail generation that huh. I'm part of. Like. What is the Oregon Trail generation? Well, there was this computer game that everyone played in oh, computer right. labs called Oregon Trail. Yeah. And I guess that's from, it's like from 1979 to 1984. 
it was like a real eight bit like like uh yeah yeah and it would were, be like you died of dysentery on the Oregon Trail. You were bit by a snake. Yes, yeah. you you were killed by Native Americans. Um, I had a I had we had a friend Stephen Sabin who always said that he was born at the perfect time. I can't remember. I think he was in the late forties. He was born, but he said that he was a teenager and in his early twenties in the sixties, in his twenties and the early thirties during disco and punk. And then he was in his forties in the eighties, which was sort of like every single, it was perfect for all of those periods. Absolutely right. And in that respect, he was a classic boomer. I mean, I'm thinking, in 1946, I have this theory. So many people, like Patti Smith was born, Robert Maplethorpe was born, Michael Milken was born, Bill Clinton was born, George W. Bush was born. It was like this sort of in the mid-40s, which I think is when well, Steve... It was, it was when everyone came home from the war and they were just fucking like bunny rabbits. And it was the most... It was the golden time. And it yeah, was... Yeah, and it, it, perhaps it was... You know, there was a prosperity in the economics. And... Yeah. Of course, you know, it could be... This whole idea of Generation Jones could just be that boomer sense of entitlement, not wanting to be sort of just masked in as a boomer and needing to separate ourselves out is like, well, I'm Generation Jones. But uh, well, I, that's what I was secretly thinking, but I didn't want to argue with you. Well, I can read your thoughts, James. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's take a break. And when we come back, we have a very uh, special guest, very special surprise guest. And uh, Blake, you got a question? Uh, I do. Hmm. What are people... <laughs> All these questions are about leap year, okay? <laughs> Which it is not, so I don't know what you're doing. Well, I just figured we might not ever get this chance again, okay? <laughs> and, and let's face it, leap years are one of the most interesting, sexy things out there. What is right? <laughs> um, what are people born on leap day called? Leap day babies. What do you call them? Like, what's their... All right. We'll have the answers to this question and more. After the break, when the WOW Report continues. You're listening to World of Wonders WOW Report. Things that make us go wow. All right, welcome back to the WOW Report. I'm Fenton here with James um, and Blake. Blake, before you answer the question, I just have to say, tonight, RuPaul's Drag Race, Corona Can't Keep a Good Queen Down, which is a documentary on filming season 13 during the pandemic. And that's on tonight. Uh, that's tonight on VH1. Uh, eight, eight. Uh, what? What time is it, Blake? Tonight. It's tonight on VH1. Just eight o'clock. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and on Wild Presents Plus, of course, too. All right. So, what was the question, Blake? What do you call leap year people who are born on leap day? Leap creeps. <laughs> that's a good one. Losers. I don't know. <laughs> They're called leaplings or leapers. Oh, I like le- le- leaplings. That's cute. Leapers yeah. kind of sounds like lepers. Wasn't well, Liebling in, in, in German? Isn't that lover? Come on, Liebling. Mm-hmm. Also sounds like little baby Groot. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, let's carry on with the countdown. We've reached number four. four. Number four. And I'll save my time. To Mr. Randy Barbado. All right. So, okay, we're going to reveal a very special guest then. Randy. Oh, yeah. You come and sit here. Oh, yeah, he says. <laughs> oh, my God. I didn't hear anybody fighting. Can I touch the microphone? <laughs> Hi. Hi. Welcome. 
I'm never invited on. You guys always do this and and never include me. I'm okay about it, but you're always invited on. Like a disco dolly. What's with the what's with the chapeau? Oh, it's just a little something. (laughs) It's a little something for TV, but like. I'm always in the other room listening to you guys and wondering if I'll ever be included. (laughs) This is Randy Barbado, the other co-founder of World of Wonder, I should just say. Uh Uh-huh. And while this is going on, I'm usually working in in my little closet over here. And you guys have these expensive microphones and stuff. And I'm just never included. But anyway, I did want to share. I know you do 10 things. I wanted to share a couple quick things that I'm obsessed with this week um, or have been thinking about, okay? Yes. Um, I was only going to share one thing, and then there were two things today that, like, I've just been kind of obsessing about. One is I'm really sorry about Tiger Woods, and I hope he's okay, but the coverage is insane. (laughs) And it just reminds – did you guys already talk about this? Like, it just reminds me of, like – a, how obsessed I am with news. I mean, like, I've become, I like, I, I'm a, a news junkie. It's crazy. But then to see all my political news be hijacked, like to watch Nicole Wallace talk about. They were, I, they, they were not on um, uh, uh, Days of Our Lives and General Hospital weren't on because of the, the, the coverage. It was 24 hours of nonstop coverage. It was insane. It was crazy. And they didn't know anything. I was saying to my, because I was driving the car with my dad and, there, and it was like nonstop. And I'm like. It's the same damn picture of that car over and over and over again. And yesterday, they really, they didn't know. Yesterday, which would, I mean, a couple days ago when it first happened and it was nonstop news coverage. All they knew is there was an accident and he hurt his legs. You could do that's you know, and and I hope that in five minutes and move on. Yeah, and today, anyway, whatever. So I wanted to share that, and it's again. But I did hold on. I I do want to just say that when they were explaining the operation that they had to take the muscles off the bone today, that was really sort of creepy, and I'd never heard of that before. Yeah, and that, but that's news. That's interesting, yeah, yeah. and that's they had these like amazing graphics, and you got to see how they're, you know, they're rebuilding or getting rid of. Um, anyway, the bones. So the days of our lives, really. <laughs> Number five. Then the other thing that is worth just mentioning, and you guys should check out, is this article in the Daily News today: penis politics. And it's drawing, it's talking about, you know, sort of uh, um, guys and politics and how sexist and piggy they still are. And the woman who wrote it works, worked for Cuomo, Andrew Cuomo, and also for um, de Blasio. And she's drawing the comparisons, like very different guys, but, and I've always, actually, I've always felt that about both those guys is that there's like this kind of arrogance and a big and, penis energy. Yeah. Or little, actually. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. I don't believe, yeah. I think Cuomo's big. I think de Blasio's probably little. I don't know. But it's that <laughs> energy, it's that bully energy, which I also get from Andrew's brother a little bit, you know. Yeah. Um, Chris. But, Anyway, just kind of interesting. And then when you think about politics and you think about who's you, you think about men in politics and when things go wrong and it is. It's all a testing game. Yeah. Yeah. So penis politics, it's kind of an interesting thing. 
But my personal number one obsession of the week. Number two. Is the Janet Jackson FaceTime to, uh, what's her name? Uh, Mark, Mark Zeta Frazier, the UCLA gymnast who did the Janet Jackson uh, routine, all these Janet Jackson. You have to see it. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. But first of all, she's doing a FaceTime and you can't see her face. She's wearing a burqa. So it's like, it's kind of weird. It's like FaceTime. She has glasses. You can't see her face. So it's very Michael Jackson of her. It's totally. And that's my obsession with it because it's, it's, it's Michael and LaToya. She, she is Michael and LaToya and she's like, you know, um, oh, I, you know, I would one day love to tumble. Will you teach me how to tumble? I would love day, one day love to tunnel, tumble. And she's talking about tumbling and maybe I would hurt myself. I would probably hurt myself. And she she's still talking, has that voice? Yeah, yeah. The baby yeah. voice, okay. Uh-huh. And, um, and also towards the end, she's like, well, I, it, you know, the conversation goes on too long. There's a lot of nothing there and it's 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 pretty great and um but she ends the conversation by saying well i have to go now it's starting to rain (laughs) (laughs) she's outside somewhere (laughs) in the middle east i guess i don't know but he is one of those people that you it's probably best that we don't hear from her that she doesn't do interviews like beyonce beyonce does not do and it's for the best you know yeah they, she doesn't have a lot to say, frankly. She's a, no. always been a puppet. Yeah, I always kind of felt that about her. And and that's why ultimately of all the Jacksons, like LaToya has been the most interesting because LaToya sort of, she goes out there and she talks. And, yeah. you know, I love, you know, I love champagne. <laughs> but, um, but she doesn't, you know, where she's more kind of, I understand her. She has, I don't know if she has a point of view, but she's like more like a real person. And And, and I don't think Janet has ever, ever interacted with the public really. And she's never had a real life. So she's a space alien. She really is. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, even I wasn't going to say this, but two other things that I'm sort of obsessed about this week, just I'm going to throw in there is the Cardi B, Mariah Carey, uh, interview. Did you guys read it? I, I have started it. I haven't finished it yet. It's yeah. Good. It's really good. And, and it, it made me realize that Mariah has really arrived. Like she is like, mm-hmm. I kind of felt that on New Year's Eve when she was, uh, um, uh, the guest for Andy Cohen and Anderson. I thought I sent Andy a note to saying like, I, like it just I, it was really a special moment for me especially when they pulled out to the wide shot and like you saw how she decorated the space like because most of the interview was like this and there was just a, like a couple christmasy things but she had decked out like probably it was in her living room or something um <laughs> built a whole uh, uh, built a whole set but in that interview it's interesting the way, like at the beginning, Cardi's like, oh my God, like she fans out on her for for like a second. And Mariah's like, you know, stop. Like she just shuts it down and moves on 
to the business of like what they have in common, what they don't have in common. It's it's I thought it I thought Mariah was insightful, a great interviewer. It really it delivered and Cardi, like you could see the difference in, you know, seasoned celebrity, new celebrity. There's so much to unpack there. That's an interesting interview. And then today, or I think in the New York Times, there's the interview with Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall. I've been sort of avoiding that one. I don't know that I need to revisit them. I I think you might. Okay. I think you might. I mean, I, I, I just find it interesting just because I, you know, any kind of any, anybody who survives, you know, anyone who's been in this business says, said the old man. No, but you know, we all know it's so hard to survive. And so yeah. to, 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 to see two, you know, survivors talking and to, to get a sense of what's important to them or, and that their relationship is real. And, you know, there's the famous quote, there's one quote in it already that's kind of famous where, you know, Arsenio's like, um, you're here because you're good and I'm here because I'm broke. <laughs> and I'm doing this project because I need the money. And, you know, but, but are we ever going to get through to what really goes on with Eddie, though? I feel like Eddie is one of those other people that we're never going to know the true story. You know what? I think that might be okay because um, – and or Arsenio, for that matter. But um, <laughs> And maybe – no, but I think that would be okay because, like, what – but Eddie is, like, this amazingly gifted artist – he really is so gifted. And so is Arsenio in a different way. And so, like, I don't really care. What are I don't, together for? What are they doing together? Uh, they're doing Coming to America, c- Coming Back to America. Coming to America. Oh, yeah, Coming oh. to America. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know. Like, I, you know, 20 years ago, that was more important to me than it is today like i don't really even i mean i i don't care about old eddie murphy's sex life you're you're absolutely right i don't i don't need to know i don't need to care but there is still something in there that was that 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 was never quite explained it'll be a good tell-all book yeah but um i'm gonna go but there was one other thing oh my god i was gonna come with one and now i'm about but did you see that the that the 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 percentage of people in the U.S. population who are gay, lesbian, trans, blah, 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 went up like two percent? I did see that. Yes, that's it's like uh, five point six percent or something like that. I blame RuPaul's Drag Race. Yeah, I, and you know it's like five times that. Oh yeah, it's closer to twenty five or 40, 30, 40 percent. You know, like uh, on, on a Friday, yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. 2 p.m. 2 a.m. Uh-huh. Well, six pack of beer. See you later, guys. <laughs> Thanks, Randy. <laughs> well, that was Randy. I think I think we're done. That was like ten nine eight seven six five four three two one and another. <laughs> well, um. Should we take a break? When we come back, we'll reveal the number one thing this week that made us go, wow. 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 
You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. All right, welcome back to the Wow Report. I'm Fenton here with Jane St. James and Blake. And we just had a pop-in visit from Randy, who basically did the whole show. So our work is done. Um, except we have one more thing to do, which is reveal the number one thing this week that made us go, wow. Number one. Well, before Blake gets into it, I want to um, just give a quick shout out to our very good friend, Ross Matthews, the hilarious Ross Matthews, who announced first on Instagram that he was engaged to someone that we didn't even know. We, we didn't even know he was married. He had a pandemic lover, uh, Dr. Wellington Garcia, and they are um, engaged to be married. And then he announced it on the Drew Barrymore show, and it was absolutely adorable. They look so wonderful together, and we just wish them all the happiness in the world. Blake, what do you have? Well, this this one is not as happy as that. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's the return of the murder hornets. Oh, they're back? Where are well, they? Yeah, we thought we killed them all off. This I saw this on TMZ over this week. Um, they were in Seattle. I mean, they were in Washington State, right? They are. And I guess they didn't get all of them. Well, they remember they they were putting them all in a tube or something, and they they had like a thousand of them. What was it? So let me just read what it says. It says <laughs> we spoke to the renowned Washington State beekeeper Ted McFall on TMZ Live about the new Discovery Channel documentary, Attack of the Murder Hornets. I guess there's Isn't a new doc chased by the hornets right now as we speak. That's why he keeps running away. <laughs> um. He says enough. I've made it over here now to the point that different nests have developed. Uh-oh. He's a um he fears if they don't get it under control quickly, the US honeybee population could be in serious jeopardy, which eventually impacts impacts our food supply. So oh, I guess that's more isn't that what hornets do? They go and take over like bees' nests and stuff. Right. I guess it's more like of the the honeybees it's not i mean they can attack you and kill you for sure yeah yeah but but we know once the bees are gone the rest of humanity is gone i mean it's part of the food chain that that keeps us all alive so we right and we had and to wrap it all up in a little bow our other friend jeremy simmons who just got married directed our emmy winning documentary uh the last beekeeper about the the food chain the the bees yeah so Um, I think we. I think Fenton was murdered by the murder hornets because we are. <laughs> well, I think that's all we have time for this week, anyway. So, I guess James. Well, until uh, next week, go out and do something. Wear a mask. Go out and do something that makes the world go wow! 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 Wow!